prices this time. Okay. <laughs> One of my mother's favorite things is he doesn't need to be helped, he needs to be looked at. Our first scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 137, verses 1 through 4. Listen to God's word. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our hearts, for there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for merriment, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. But how could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Our second reading is from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Listen again to God's word. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Anybody here been to the, the Mississippi River? Yeah. Anybody like driven over those bridges that go over it and everything? Yeah. My favorite one's the Jefferson Barracks Bridge in St. Louis. The first time I ever saw it was I was eight years old and I was a little kid from West Texas. And those of you who are from West Texas know that when we say river, we don't mean the Mississippi. In fact, where I lived, there's this giant reservoir called O.C. Fisher Reservoir. And I'm not kidding you. You can walk across that reservoir and never get deeper than your waist. It's huge, but there's not much in it. So when I saw the Mississippi for the first time, I was absolutely in awe. And then later on, when I saw the Mississippi again, I was still in awe. I cannot believe that thing. I sat on a swing under some trees with a breeze, which lowered the, it was in August. That lowered the temperature to about 800 degrees. <laughs> and I watched the herons as they flew over this river that I couldn't even throw a rock halfway across. No way. And I watched it go by and I thought, they call this Lazy River. It's not lazy, that river moves fast. Really fast. You can see little bits of flotsam and jetsam going by and it doesn't do like home in the green water. 
like that, it does this, and it's gone, headed for New Orleans. And I watched the coal barges go up and down. You may not know this, but that river is so big and so deep, ships go up and down it, like battleships and stuff. I live in a place where you could step over most of the rivers and not really notice. But one of the things that happened to me watching that was I began to wonder about something. That, think about how much water that is. Where does it come from? Is there a giant hole in the earth somewhere up north that just lets those billions and billions of gallons of water go? I don't understand how there can be that much snow melt and that much rain anywhere to keep a river that size flowing all the time for over a million years. Huh? We celebrated if water ran down the gutter in our neighborhood. But if you think about it, that river comes from somewhere and we know where it goes, we know where it comes from too. But the idea that it could be this big and come from somewhere else, that it has to have an origin, we just can't wrap, I can wrap my mind around it, I'm sorry. That's a little beyond me. But think about that river and the fact that it has been flowing for so long. We're down in, I would, where was it? I was in Illinois. I'm in Illinois. I go to my hotel room. I get ready for bed. And I realize that river is still flowing. It's still out there pushing billions of gallons of water. Even though we're not there to see it, it's still flowing. And generations have passed and passed and passed and passed. And that river's still flowing. There was a New Madrid earthquake, is what they called it. There's a fault line that runs up around St. Louis. Very dangerous one, but it doesn't go off very often, thank goodness. But it did go off in the early 1800s, a huge earthquake. And it made the Mississippi River flow backwards. Not for a day, not for a few days, for months. It caused the Mississippi River to flow backwards backwards. Fortunately, not a lot of people lived around there at the time, so there wasn't as much for it to flood and cause serious damage to. But think about the power of that earthquake, and that river did not stop flowing. It just went the other way and kept flowing. Even that earthquake couldn't stop it, and right now while we sit here a thousand miles away, that river is still pushing billions and billions of gallons of water down to the Gulf of Mexico. 
And I thought of Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn while I was sitting there. <laughs> How can you not? And I thought about that little raft they played on, apparently. And I thought about that. You know, you can steer a raft if you're fairly skilled. Not as easy as steering a canoe or any other boat, but you can steer a raft to some degree if you understand the river. You can't stop a raft on the river. You have to use the bank to do that. And you have to know the flow of the currents to get over there. And you're at the mercy of this powerful, powerful force. And all that river has to do is blink and swamp you. There are people who died in that river who have never been seen. Hundreds of years ago, nobody's found. They're just gone somewhere. When I read today's passage from the Psalms and I think about Israel looking at the Euphrates River, that's the, the waters of Babylon, that is the border. Once the Israelites realized Jerusalem is gone, we saw the Babylonians tear it down. And as we left, we could see for days the smoke rising over the horizon as our, our holy of holy places became dust. And they know that when they cross that river, they're in Babylon. And there's no way to deny it. But they've stopped before they cross and they're, they're tormentors. The Babylonians say, oh, hey, sing us one of those songs of Zion. You know, to me, that's like when uh, Larry Bird scored, I don't know, 30 points off of one guy who was guarding him in a game and then looked at the guy and said, think your mom's watching? <laughs> Get out your heart. Sing us a joyous song of Zion. Sing about how great your God is. Come on, we want to hear it. We love it. It's the funniest thing we've ever heard. Get out there and sing. And these Hebrews are thinking to themselves, we can't. What are we going to do? The God we depended on, and this is not how it really worked, but this is how they saw it. The God we depended on let us down. Is there really no God in Zion? Are these people right to make fun of us? How could they sing when they cross that river, they're going into exile? That's the final border. Zion is truly physically behind them. And when they travel far enough, they won't even be able to see it anymore. So how can they sing a song? I think part of it is because they didn't listen to Jeremiah. Happy, clappy Jeremiah. If you haven't read Jeremiah, read him on a happy day, and it will end your happy day. Jeremiah's a little depressing. 
But one of his main messages that they failed to listen to was, God will bring you back when the exile has cleansed you. You're not gone forever. Well, you're gone forever. Your children will come back. God will bring them back. All is not lost. That river's just a border. It's not the end. Have you ever noticed throughout history how borders shift? That river's not the border. That river is the image of God's love and mercy. Think about this. How long has the Euphrates River been flowing? I don't think anybody knows when it wasn't. It's just always kind of been. It's where our ancestors came from. Maybe everybody's came from there. We don't know. But that river running through it is an emblem of God's provision for everybody. And they've forgotten what Jeremiah told them. Or they might have seen that river a little bit differently. So I want you to think about this. As we get closer to Lent, we are exiles from heaven. We're exiles. We're living in a foreign land here because heaven is our home. Heaven is where we belong. So how can we sing God's song knowing that we are in exile? Well, was God with the Israelites as they crossed the Babylon? Yes. Yeah. We can sing joyous songs because God is with us and because we can remember that that river is not a boundary for God's grace. It does not stop anything. It is the image of God's grace, constantly flowing. Whether we see it or not, whether we understand it or not, whether we can swim across it or raft down it or not. That's what God's grace is. Where does it come from, this grace of which you speak? From God. The end. I don't know how else to explain it. I'm still working on it. If you figure it out, write a book, and you will make a fortune. Every minister in the world will want a copy of it. But God's grace is like a river that's deeper and wider than we can even imagine. And it flows constantly with a power so great we can't control it. We're on a raft negotiating our way through it. It goes where it wants to go just like that big river. We like to build dams, but, and we like to think that's going to work, but they don't work forever. Eventually that water goes where it feels like going. And the river of God's grace continues to flow wherever God wants it to flow. It goes where it will in this church, God's church, in the bigger sense. <clears throat> That's our raft. That's so we can ride the rivers of God's grace 
and look at all the cool stuff on the shores. We can get on and steer our course the best we can, but God's grace is going to take us wherever God wills. In our reading from Colossians, you know, all things were created by and for God's benefit. But I disagree. Not with the, the sentiment of it, but with the picture it gives. Everything was created by God for God's benefit, not for ours. But I also think it was created for God's pleasure. Not just benefit. God created it for God's pleasure because it pleased God to do it. Why God would give us His grace, I don't know, but I can assure you, it pleases God to give it to us. And the river of grace flows forever, and it's wide, and it's deep. So the question isn't really, how can we sing a new song? How can we sing songs of Zion in a foreign land? That's not the question. The question is, which song of joy are we going to sing first? Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. Good works done in obedience to God's commandments are the fruits and evidence of a true and lively faith. By them, believers manifest their thankfulness, strengthen their assurance, edify their brethren, adorn the profession of the gospel, stop the mouths of adversaries, and glorify God, whose workmanship they are, created in Christ Jesus, that having their fruit of holiness, they may have in the end eternal life.